Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. I got Drew Holden coming up, who is um, the person, I mentioned this in the monologue yesterday, he's with the Free Beacon in Washington, D.C., and he really highlighted these false campaign, campaigns, false claims that the Texas border officials blocked the feds from trying to save a woman and her two children from drowning. I mean, the story was complete nonsense, and Drew has the receipts and the goods, did a great job on X, formerly Twitter, yesterday exposing this, and he's going to join us here in a couple of minutes. On the roundtable tomorrow, Sue, you might find this story rather interesting because you are a St. Louis city resident and you care about the city and our region. This is in the um, local paper today. It was funny because I was walking through the hallways on the other side of the building doing some stuff in a studio earlier before the show, and one of my liberal friends, I won't mention the name, not that he would have a problem with it, but I, I didn't know if he wants to be cited for this, said, did you see the Bob Clark story today? I said, yeah. I said, I didn't really click on this. And I saw Jane tweet about this as well. And Jane is not on the roundtable tomorrow. She's taking a week off, but I know she has some opinions. So here's the story. And by the way, I bring this up because some of my liberal friends are outraged by this, and I think some of you hmm. might be as well. The story reads this way, um, and we're waiting for uh, Drew to jump on the line here, and we'll get to that here in a second. On a desolate city-owned plot of 16 and a half acres in North St. Louis, Bob Clark saw the future of one of his companies. Clark, founder of the construction giant Clayco, wanted to move the headquarters of a subsidiary to the lot. The company, Concrete Strategies, would add dozens of jobs and a facility to train the next generation of tradespeople, Clark said. He envisioned some retail shops there along the six-lane Goodfellow Boulevard at Interstate 70. So, the plan was uh, put before the city's economic development agency, and they said, nope, not interested. Rob Orr, who's the senior vice president of real estate development, oh. told Clark in an email, actually his partner said, it doesn't guarantee any retail development. It doesn't check any of our boxes, what, uh, to be honest. What boxes would those be? Well, they want to turn this into just retail and grocery shops and restaurants. But let, let's face it. Um, if you have a business that you can sort of build those things around, it might yeah. make it very easy. Let, you know, we got, um, unfortunately, a situation where Fields Foods 
and my friend Chris Goodson tried to do the right thing for mm-hmm. the city. We you have a food oasis, right? And mm-hmm. unfortunately, people don't have access like we do in the suburbs to some of these shops. So that was part of what you know Chris was trying to do with Fields Foods. It financially was unsustainable, yeah. unfortunately. So in this particular situation, and I'll give the Post kind of credit for doing this story because they get into the fact that in what Bob Clark says, I was shocked. Because here, before I get to the quote, the city's losing residents, right? There's not a lot of good development outside of where the soccer stadium is right now that's been positive for the city, but there are opportunities. So he says, I was shocked that they didn't call us or send us a letter and say, hey, we'd like you to come in and tell us more about your proposal, and we'll tell you more about what we want. Instead, they said, your proposal is inadequate. So that's actually a good point. Why can't we, all right. This is a proposal. It doesn't, check, it doesn't check our boxes. That's right. But here's a guy who wants to spend a bunch of money in North City. Come on. Maybe we should at least listen to him. Yes. Hello. I, I, I don't did know. They, they don't even get back to him and say, here's what we're looking for. And, and by the way, when you say they have plans for it, the city, who's paying for it? Well, what is it? Is that just a pipe dream yeah. or is that something real? I don't know the, um, you know, the complete detail of that. But in the story, as you as you read down, they talk about what I just referred to. And they say, you know, and, and they also kind of mention what happened at Jamestown Mall, because that was seven years vacant before they announced the plans, you know, to demolish it. And then they were going to do retail. I don't even know what exactly happened there. But they say in Pagedale, a Save-A-Lot discount grocery store made it just a decade before closing. Community development organization Beyond Housing then sought local chain Fields Foods that I just mentioned because Chris Goodson wanted to open there, but that closed last summer. So you have a situation. I understand that they want to get some grocery stores and stuff like that, but why would you just out of pocket reject a guy who's trying to do something good for the city and yeah. spend some money? That doesn't make any sense And to you're me. right. It can be an anchor for something else. Right. Now, mind you, we're going on. I don't know the details about any of this, but at least they could get back to him and say something. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the Reardon Roundtable tomorrow with three former state senator. John Lamping is on the uh, program, former state senator Jeff Smith, and state rep Donna Berenger, who is a city resident. Jeff and Donna and John will have a lot to say on that and the rest of the stories of the week. This will be a topic on the Roundtable tomorrow. This story that got spread around in a very irresponsible way goes sh- you know, shock, shocker there, by the legacy media about uh, Texas border officials blocking the feds from trying to say physically blocking the feds from trying to save a woman and her two children from drowning last Friday while they were making their way across the Rio Grande. And the allegation was simply not true. Drew Holden, who is with the Free Beacon in Washington, did a great job yesterday on the former Twitter exposing some of this. He joins us tonight on 97.1 FM Talk. Drew Holden, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you doing? Well, we're doing pretty good. And uh, I love this story because this is a show that has for many years, if not decades, uh, exposed media bias. It's a theme that runs constant. It's so frustrating to me. Just uh, as a little background, I always kind of get embarrassed when I say this. I was trained, so to speak, as a journalist because I went to the (laughs) University of Missouri journalism school. So I have had the uh, I've had the hat on where I'm actually a reporter and anchor things along those lines, but a talk show host for a long time. But I'm just outraged every day, Drew. You, you see, every day yeah. we have nonsense, lies, yep. stuff like this, right? That's that's right. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's my entire beat, actually, at the Free Beacon. Is all I do is write about the media, and it's because there really is, unfortunately, so much to work with, uh, and particularly with an election coming out. So on this story in particular, now let me, I played this audio yesterday. 
it's one thing, and I also tweeted about this, and I tweeted your string out. We'll kind of get to some of the details. It's one thing to get the story wrong, right? You get the story wrong. Mm-hmm. People get the story wrong. But it's, in, in my opinion, it's completely different. And this is what happens all the time. They don't correct it. And even when you have the facts that come out, and then you have people in the White House, like KJP, mm-hmm. who are doubling down. Here you go with Jackie Heinrich from Fox. Our statement is consistent with DOJ's filing. As the DOJ filing said, there was an ongoing emergency situation that Border Patrol was blocked from accessing. There were other migrants in the water. Then why wasn't that included in the statement? There were other migrants in the water. That that, that's what you were referring to. Our statement is is very very much consistent with DOJ filing. Anything else specific you want to know about that, I would certainly refer you to DOJ. Okay, Drew Holden, kind of lay this out here for us. Go back to your string yesterday because you put a lot of, as you said, you got the receipts here with the media and what they did on this particular story. Right. Yeah, I do. You know, and so this is this is kind of how it it broke down. So the Biden administration had initially put out the story to CBS News that said that Border Patrol agents had been physically barred from rescuing migrants, people who are crossing the border illegally from drowning in the Rio Grande. Right. So the initial story that goes out is the CBS News piece that Blair's physically barred and immediately The entire media, almost in unison, runs with this claim, not just that there were migrants who drowned, not just that, you know, perhaps Texas was was involved in some way, but that the Texas authorities had prevented Capitol Border Patrol or sorry, um, had prevented Customs and Border Patrol from saving these people. And so what ends up happening, you hear a little bit in that that KJP clip is that eventually the real facts start to leak out. And so the CBS News update that came out was that three migrants drowned near an area where Texas has denied entry to federal border agents. So the story that was originally put out there wasn't true. But everyone in the press, rather than fact check, rather than stop for a beat, rather than try and get anything closer to the truth, they pushed out this lie originally fed by the Biden administration. And by the way, I think it goes a little further because when they say stopped, they're actually talking about physically stopped them from doing yes. that, right? That's right. Yep. Um, and so what they had originally claimed was that they had been physically barred, right? You get, you get the, I think, the mental image of these people from Texas standing out with their arms crossed saying, you can't make it through here. And none of this was true, right? And so when they, when folks probed a little bit deeper into the, the details of what had happened, you know, unfortunately, these three individuals, they had already drowned by the, time they, by the time Border Patrol tried to get to them. The whole story, right, the whole intent behind what, what Texas had allegedly done was a lie. Yeah, their lives were on the line, right? And Texas gets involved. They prevent a rescue. With a, they physically stop a rescue. Mm-hmm. That was the narrative. It was. Yep, it was. And, and you had places, I mean, I remember there was a Newsweek headline about how people were calling it awful, calling it murder, right? There were some outlets. Uh, Newsweek was one. Rolling Stone was another who didn't even just report the initial inaccurate story. They had gone even farther in their headlines to say, look how evil Texas is. This was the media narrative at the time. And again, it was all based on bunk and bunk that was put out there very specifically by the Biden administration to stir up these lies within the media. 
Drew Holden is with us from the Washington Free Beacon. I played the KJP uh, bite, and that was from yesterday, which is even more outrageous because they keep talking about this, and they, you know, try. It, it, they have a built-in advantage, Drew. I think you'd agree because they know mm-hmm. they know that most of the media is going to just buy this lock, stock, and barrel. Well, then Fox has the Lieutenant Governor of Texas on, Dan Patrick, today. This Border Patrol story is just a totally fabricated by John Pierre. I'm tired, sick, and tired of her lack of data, lack of knowledge, and her total lies. Um, These people drowned on the. Before they got there, we will do everything we can, as we have been, to save people in distress. Um, we're doing far more than the Border Patrol is doing. All they are are hotel clerks, and they, you know, at the at the local Motel Six, just ushering people into this country, letting them go. You know, the question is, where does Joe Biden think these 10 million plus people are going to go? Where are they living? Where are they working? Whose jobs are they taking? What schools are they overcrowding? Uh, what hospitals are they overcrowding? He doesn't care. Yeah, those questions, Drew, never get asked. And I, I think he's right to be angry about this because, you, you know, it's just been so mangled in the media. So I don't know where. And you, mm-hmm. you've even, you know, one of the things you did on your on your string, and you can follow Drew at Drew Holden 360, is you, you had the headlines that were still up at least as of a couple of days ago. Have you done right. any searching in the last 24 hours? Are they still going with the narratives? Because a lot of these sites, and you're, you're talking NPR, mm-hmm. NBC, the Associated Press, all of the traditional legacy news sites, they still have stories up that are inaccurate, factually inaccurate. And, right, and proven to be inaccurate, right? Like this isn't, this isn't, so to answer your question, uh, no, they haven't changed the headlines. I, I actually went back this morning and you see all of these outlets who are still making these claims that they were physically barred or otherwise physically restricted from getting to, to these drowning migrants by Texas. And I think you're right about the, you know, kind of the home field advantage on all of this stuff, right? There's, they know, they know when they hear the, the press hears these outrageous claims saying that Republicans have done something bad, have done something evil. The Biden administration and Democrats know that the media are going to run with it. Yeah, it, it's it's just frustrating, again, because I've been doing this for so long and covering it, it never really seems to you know, get called out and I get frustrated Mm -hmm. with it. And I think this is, you know, a bit of a built in advantage, certainly for Biden and the Democrats when it comes to the election as well. And here's the thing that's even more frustrating, because there's a legitimate news peg here, even for, you know, the lefty news organizations. I brought this up yesterday. Mm -hmm. Fox hasn't even jumped on this yet. Did you see the L.A. Times yesterday, by any chance, Drew? They did a story on um, the opinion of Democrats in particular in California on immigration. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. And, and again, like it's it, so you continue, but it, 62 percent of Democrats, 62 yeah. percent of Democrats think it's yeah. out of control. And by the way, that's registered voters. When when you go to likely voters, the number actually goes up. Those are Democrats yeah. in California, not in Missouri. Right. And that's that's the thing, too, is that I think there's there's an insulation around like particularly the New York and D.C. press where the the impact of illegal immigration downstream on communities is entirely lost on them, right? And so you, you do see real people who even have a slight degree of contact with it are, are seeing things differently, but the press can't, they, they can't, um, you know, they can't correct their thinking on this thing. And, and Mark, one thing that I want to make sure gets in here too is the one other aspect that I think has been left out of a lot of the reporting and coverage of this is the Biden administration used these claims. The DOJ, the reason they got involved in this is the Biden administration used these claims in a court filing to say that Texas needs to stop preventing 
to bind administration and federal agents from getting to places along the Rio Grande. All of this is done to in order to effectuate Biden's ability to keep the border open. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and you're well, right. People can't stand it. Even liberals in California can't stand it. So, uh, Drew, since you said you, this is what you do at the Free Beacon, you kind of focus on the media. I'm just curious here. Uh, random question, separate but related. Did you focus Shoot. at all? Did you did you talk about the Aaron Rodgers, uh, Jimmy Kimmel dust up last week or not? I I didn't. Well, here's why it's important. And, you know, th- this is what I try to communicate. Maybe some of my points get lost in the uh, in the weeds. But it was extremely I think you'd appreciate it because the whole um, framing of that story was completely dishonest by by the media, because what and, and I can see how people thought that Aaron Rodgers insinuated that Jimmy Kimmel was somehow on the Epstein list. But what he was specifically doing was referring to a clip from last February in which Kimmel kind of called him a tinfoil hat guy. Just crazy because he mm. mentioned the Epstein list. Now that you, you can say whatever you want about Aaron Rodgers. But if you're going to do a report on what Jimmy Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers are in a dust up about, I think you have it. It's mm-hmm. incumbent upon you to give all the facts and talk about how there was something that happened last February. And this is not indirectly. It's a direct reaction to that. My point being, and I know I get worked up about this story. I sense other people probably (laughs) don't, but if they're going to lie about the simple little things like that, I always use, are you familiar? Here's another one for you. You might be familiar with this one. You remember the Duke BYU story from a couple years ago, the volleyball story? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, you got the, the fans were allegedly chanting. Yeah, right? the, like, the fans are chanting N-words at this black Duke player. Never happened. And ESPN right. runs with it. LeBron James tweets about it. Dawn Staley, the coach of South Carolina's basketball team, not volleyball team, says, yep. we're yep. not going to play BYU because they're a bunch of racists. Now, Drew, that's never been corrected. No one's ever gone back. And by the way, they did a thorough investigation. There's no proof it happened. There's ample right. proof that it didn't happen. So... Even the little things, and then you go to the big things. Brett Kavanaugh, Covington Catholic, Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. I mean, the list goes on. I don't trust a damn word that comes out of the mainstream media. And and that's sad to me because I think that the the media has a function. It was one of the reasons I went yeah. into this whole business. And they are yeah, failing absolutely. at that function right now. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's somehow lost only on the mainstream media that and why they have lost the trust of the American people. Uh, and, and you're right. If, you, if they can't be trusted to tell the truth about the little things, the insignificant things, then how can anyone trust them to tell the truth about the world changing things, the election changing things, climate the change. major news? Yeah, climate, climate change. change. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I, I appreciate I just pressed the follow button on Twitter. I don't know why I didn't do that yesterday. Drew Holden, <laughs> thanks so much for highlighting this because, you know, you helped me out a lot because I, I followed that story a little bit. But because of the holiday and we were off on Monday, it got away from me just a little yeah. bit. And I saw when I saw some folks retweeting your string, I thought, oh, this one, we got to jump on this one. And we did it yesterday. I'm, I'm candidly a little awesome. disappointed. I think Fox covered it this morning with Dan Patrick. I think they've let go of this story a little too early, too. I, I think a lot of people have let go of this one early. And, I, and you know, I don't know why, because to me, it's so emblematic of the types of things the media does wrong and the impact that that wrong coverage has. I'm on your side on this. We're going to try to give it more attention. We're doing that right now in St. Louis on 97.1 FM Talk. Drew, you have a great week. We'll have you back. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate having me on. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Audio cut of the day coming up here in just a few minutes. I don't think I've ever introduced our next guest with his um, Twitter bio, which says, this is very accurate, by the way, highly opinionated, contrarian-minded commentator who has disdain for the news media and a world-class BS detector. That he does. John Ziegler, conservative libertarian, husband, father, even include Hoya, as you are a Georgetown Hoya. How are you, Zig? <laughs> I'm doing good, Mark. Always good to talk to you. I, I said something before the break that, you know, you're, you're the one guest that we really have some trouble coaxing opinions out of. Let's go right to the issues here. Ron DeSantis, you and I have talked about this. We had hopes that DeSantis was going to punch through here. But, John, as much as this pains me to tell you again that you're, you're right, you've been warning about this stuff for eight months now, haven't you? Nine, but close <laughs> enough. Um. Who's counting? Uh, yeah, it's been a long nine months. Uh, yeah, nine months ago, I knew this was over. And the reason why I knew this was over was because Trump had broken containment. And you needed to keep Trump under containment in order to, one, be able to attack him from a position of leverage, and two, to make sure he did the debates. And I predicted uh, around that time that Trump would never do the debates. And boy, how'd that turn out? And I think not doing the debates was really the the final nail in the coffin, because one, it not just prevented Trump from being criticized, it diminished DeSantis and and everybody else. But DeSantis was the only one that really ever had a chance to beat him anyway. And I, uh, you know, on my podcast, The Death of Journalism, I had been advising, screaming and yelling for DeSantis not to participate in those debates, because in doing so, he was essentially making himself the beta to Trump's alpha. And then that was it. That was the end. Now, could this have turned out differently? Um, I think it could have. You know, there are those in the right wing media who I think because it serves their self-interest because they don't want to have blood on their hands. They're pretending that this was always inevitable. And, you know, my episode of the, the Death of Journalism podcast today is basically devoted to the idea of going into a deep dive and proving that this was not always inevitable. This could have turned out differently. But I knew nine months ago that we were on a path that was going to lead us exactly to where we okay, are today. Why, why, what do you think? And I remember because you were tweeting about this and we had some conversations. What were you particularly interested in the campaign doing that they didn't do? The one thing that I saw today from DeSantis, I don't think this plays into your you know, philosophy here, is he's like, uh, well, I wish I would have done more media because they closed down a lot of the legacy media. They just did conservative media. He's expressing no. concern about that. Yeah. I don't think that's what cost anything, right? No, 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 no. This was all lost at the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023. That was the moment of Trump's vulnerability. Trump was seen as a big loser in the midterms. DeSantis was seen as the big winner. And it was at that moment that they needed to strike and they needed to strike hard. And, you know, DeSantis felt like um, he could not be uh, a candidate for president at that time, even though Trump was. In fact, the most brilliant thing that Trump did was announced as a candidate super early. That was brilliant on Trump's part because 
uh, it, it established and it sent a signal to the right wing media, hold your fire. I'm still the man. And and the right wing media at that moment in a rational world, Mark, should have said, OK, it's time to move on here. We have another possibility. We got a big winner in Florida. He led us through COVID. Trump did his thing. We move on now. But there was no moving on. And once that moment of vulnerability passed and the first indictment hit, and when the first indictment hit, you know, Tucker Carlson and Glenn Beck and others were promoting this fairy tale narrative that somehow if we don't rally around Donald Trump, we've lost the republic. And the country, you know, we can't let the bastards get away with this. We must support Trump. At that point, it was over because then Trump broke containment in the polls. He didn't have to do the debates. And with each indictment, he got stronger and stronger because it was seen, and not without rationality, as the left targeting Trump because he's the most dangerous person uh, in the field, which he was not. DeSantis was the most dangerous person in the field. But, John, do you think let's all right. Well, we're still about nine months out from this election. So if you had to make a call right now, it looks like that this is the race, right? It's Biden and Trump again. I really can't believe that we're here. I yesterday said I might move to Spain for a year. I like Spain. I was there last spring, maybe just forever, because if you have a little socialism in this country, why not have partial uh, socialism over in Spain and enjoy the weather? But do you think that Trump can win this general election? I think he can. Um, it's going to be difficult. By the way, I, I'm planning on ending my podcast in the middle of February and dropping out of public life, uh, largely because of the specter of Trump Biden. And I've been I've been talking about this and why I'm going to do it for several months because I knew this would be the outcome. I'm not convinced that a Trump presidency would be any better than a Biden presidency, even though I'm a hardcore conservative. Uh, I have to tell you, the worst possible scenario, you said, if you say, Zig, mm-hmm. what's the worst possible election scenario? It's Trump winning with a Democratic House and a Democratic well, Senate. You're right about that. Yep. Which which is on the table. And if that were to happen, if Trump wins with a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate, it is over. This is not a drill. It is over because Trump is a liberal there will be zero Republican pushback on anything he wanted to do because he's the savior, you know, prodigal son returning to the presidency. And Democrats will have a majority. They'll be thrilled to go along with other whatever bullcrap liberal stuff uh, Trump wants okay, to do. But, but so, John, I took a stand like I, I took a stand in t- 2016 inaccurately that, that mm-hmm. this guy could not win the electoral votes needed to become president. Mm-hmm. But I also made the case that he was not conservative. And I had my doubts about some of the things in the mm-hmm. way he would tackle the issues. But I think think that if we're being honest, the way that he handled some of those issues during his presidency, not all, uh, they were a little surprising for conservatives, weren't they? I, I agree with you. For the first three years, he was more conservative than I had feared that he would. But guess what? He had a Republican uh, Congress for a large part of that until he blew it in, in the midterms. Um, and also he had to worry about reelection. And by the way, how'd that all turn out with COVID? When it really mattered, when it really mattered, Trump showed what he is. He's a socialist. Uh, he gave, he handed over his presidency to Dr. Fauci. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, and so, to me, other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, how was the trip to Dallas? Uh, that's that. That's what COVID was. And so, I, I I buy it for three years, maybe. And in this situation, you have a guy who has no concerns about reelection at all. He can only serve one term. 
and and uh, he's not going to have anybody in his administration should he win, which I think is possible, by the way, um, because Biden is so incredibly weak. He's not going to have any of the A-listers that Trump had the first time around. He's going to have the the F team. I mean, they're going to be complete whack jobs working for him. But why? What? What does John Ziegler then say about the amount of support that Donald Trump has? Not only, I think, from Republicans voting, in, you know, in a primary, but from independents who are just sick and tired. We can use this border issue. I thought this was interesting. I'm sure you saw this yesterday. L.A. Times. I think this deserves more attention. They did a poll of Democrats in your state, California. Sixty-two percent registered voters said the border situation is outlandish. We got to stop it. The number went higher with likely voters. Those are Democrats in your state. So there are people in this country that don't see one of these other candidates being able to do anything that maybe Donald Trump can do. I think the immigration issue could uh, lead to Trump winning the election, that and Biden's age. I I think that those two things are are very much in Trump's corner. And I am not discounting the idea that he could win. I'm just not I'm just not excited by it at all. I think it could be just as bad as a uh, and let's be clear, if Biden wins re-election, you're really voting for Kamala Harris. Yes, because there's, of course. There's zero, zero chance, zero, that he finishes out a second term. Zero. And I don't, know if, he, I don't pro- know if he finishes out a second month, by the way, once he wins. Well, yeah, who knows? I mean, well, you got to remember the Constitution kind of dictates, if they're smart, that they drag him through the first two years, uh, at least to make a good show of it, because then— Kamala Harris can run for two terms as an incumbent after that. So ah, keep that in mind. Look at you thinking through that. All right, let's get off politics just for a second, because there was a proposal in your state of California to ban um, football, tackle football for kids under 12 years old. This is interesting because Gronk weighed in on this. I think it's a fair proposal. I love that these kids want to play the game of football. But to play the game of football at such a young age, I think, is a little dangerous. What I would propose and what I think should be, you know, marketed out there more is flag football. These kids should be playing flag football. I loved playing flag when I was growing up. And the half-flag football for kids under 12, I think, is an excellent idea. And I think they shouldn't be playing tackle football or the real game of football until about seventh grade once their body and minds have developed more. The question, though, becomes, is the nanny state the one that decides that or, or should it be parents, John? I, you know, I have mixed feelings on this one. What about you? Oh, I did not hear that from Gronk. That's really depressing. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I, I have coached high school football in two different states. I've written a book about a high school football team in Ohio. I've covered college and pro football for numerous different uh, television outlets. So, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty well versed in football. And um, I, I think this is an abomination, one, from the nanny state perspective, which I, which is hilarious because, you know, Gavin Newsom, of all people, the worst Shot it down. governor. Right. He just said that he's going to veto this because he wants to get right. this, preserve the parents' freedom to determine what's best for their kids. Wait, who's that guy? <laughs> I know. I, I was shocked. I had to look at it twice. Believe me. <laughs> okay, you know, what about the transgender issue and the COVID issue? But okay. Well, Fine. okay. Let, let that Because I thought of that. Yeah, you. he doesn't want these kids playing tackle football, but if you want to get hopped up on puberty blockers or, you know, cut your penis off go for it we're gonna pay for it we're gonna pay right. for it in california i think gronk is totally wrong uh, again not just from a nanny state perspective and i'm kind of shocked and i'm a little bit suspicious as to why he's saying this because i think mark and you know me very well we've known each other for a long time i'm an anti-conspiracy person right oh, I, I do not believe in conspiracy yep. okay 
But I think that you want to, if you want to call it a conspiracy, I believe that the NFL has put out the word that we are all in on flag because that is the future of the National Football League. We are going to we, we are experiencing a 10 to 15 year desensitization period where they are going to uh, uh, be able to get even the core fan to eventually realize, you know what, flag's not that bad. I kind of like it. And that's what they're doing with the Pro Bowl. That's what they're doing with the Olympics. The NFL is is embracing flag football as an Olympic sport. Gronk there sounds to me like he's a paid advertiser for the National Football League. And back to this California issue, when I talked about this on my podcast, I said, watch Snoop Dogg, of all people. Snoop Dogg is really big in the youth tackle football community in Los Angeles. And and I thought if Snoop Dogg comes out against this, it's dead. The next day, the National Football League and the San Diego Chargers announced an alliance with Snoop Dogg to change his league to flag. John and oh Sue, oh I tell you what, I saw, I've been seeing flag football like NFL sponsored commercials. Have you seen these things? Yes. And, it is. Oh, I'm telling you, tackle football is over. It's all what they're, but they know they can't kill it immediately. They have to do it with a slippery slope desensitization period. And I don't know 100% how long it's going to take. I have been saying 10 to 15 years. I don't know what exactly it'll look like. I think they'll, they'll start with the quarterback being flagged. The quarterback is already well, essentially yeah. no, flagged that's, football. No, that's true. You know what's interesting here on this comment? I think there are listeners out there that are yelling at the radio, this guy is out of his mind. And if I didn't know John Ziegler as well as I do because we have known each other since uh, probably 2009 or so, I'd think you were crazy too. But you're so right about so much of this stuff, John. And you, the pattern certainly fits. I, I understand that, and I hope it doesn't happen. Good well, let me, let me explain, let me, if you have a second, let yeah. me explain why, why tackle football is doomed. During COVID, we lost our autonomy to make our own medical risk decisions we gave that up to the state the nanny state and we gave that up to the powers that be in society the nfl has is now deciding for its players what risk reward decisions they can make college and high school it filters down to them we cannot have tackle football as it was originally intended and has been for decades in a society where people cannot make their own risk reward ratio decisions when it comes to medical risk. We cannot do it. It's over. COVID killed football in so many ways. It killed it from the standpoint of it being a sacred institution where you can't cancel games for no reason. And it killed it from the standpoint of we're going to actually have games with no fans. And it killed it from the standpoint of the Who makes the decisions regarding medical risk? It's no longer the individual. It's the nanny state. That's the end of tackle football. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, 44 million people watched the uh, playoff game last weekend, the Saturday game that was not on Peacock, and then 23 million. So I don't think that the numbers – look, in St. Louis, people were predicting the demise of the NFL. The Rams get stolen back to your neck of the woods in L.A. The NFL grows each and every year. You're proving my point. You're proving my point. The more it becomes wussified, the better the ratings get uh, because yeah. there's, there's there's more scoring. There, there, yeah. there, I mean, 
And so if there was if there was a ratings dive because the game has become wussified, I would say we have a shot. But the NFL is looking at this going, concussions are an existential threat to our existence, to our business model. We must eliminate concussions. So that's number one. Number two, the more we wussify the game, we're only making more money. So let's go all the way. Well, now you're depressing me because well, I hope you're wrong about this. I would think you were nuts, John. I, I'm telling you, <laughs> except that you start to see those NFL-sponsored flag football things, and you think, what's yes. this? Now, I, I, the Olympics. Look at what happened with the Olympics. And by the way, go back to California for a second. If I was wrong, the NFL would have at least issued a statement saying, we disagree with this, we do not believe this is necessary. You know, because this is a potential stake through the heart. If California sure. had done this, this is a stake through the heart of, of eventually because Gronk is full of it. You cannot start playing tackle no, football not, in seventh no. and eighth grade. You can No, you can't. You absolutely cannot. You're absolutely. By the way, you caught me off guard with one thing here. Are you? You're really threatening to leave public life here in a month. How did I miss that? I'm not threatening. That's my plan. What the, the hell my, is, How am I going to have... February, February 15th will be my last day in, in public life, barring, you know, some catastrophic, catastrophic event. Like, you're talking about period? If you want to have me on from time to time, I'll, maybe I'll talk to you. But I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm off of Twitter. This I'm is off. Devastating. Of, I'm done podcasting. I'm not doing oh. News Nation television anymore. I'm out. All I'm right. out. Well, we'll have to play golf. I, I guess that's all we have. And man, uh, I'm going to miss you. Hey, it was good to know you. All right. Long live Thanks, John Ziegler. See ya. Ah, little cars to close out the bumper music on a Thursday edition of the show. We have audio cut of the day coming up here in just a couple of minutes. I do want to mention that we have the Reardon Roundtable for tomorrow afternoon, the 3 o'clock hour, four, 3 o'clock hour rather. Former State Senator Jeff Smith will be here, former State Senator John Lapping, and also there's someone that I can't remember who's going to be. Who else? Oh, Donna Barron. Donna. Sorry, Donna. It was because Jane is not here this week, so Jane is off. That throws me when I have like three panelists to identify. That's my excuse for that. We'll also get with Paul Hall on some entertainment stuff tomorrow, etc. Now I have no time for audio cut of the day, but I have to figure something out. So let me see if I can do that real quick here. Playback ready. Now the audio cut of the day. I'm going to do this just because I have not covered this topic today. We'll try to talk about it on the roundtable. But did you hear the report today, uh, Jim Jordan, who chairs the Oversight Committee, that they were we, – we now have information that this administration was flagging things with financial institutions if the word MAGA – and other things oh, were mentioned. On. Listen to Jordan. At the request of government, you got banks searching private transactions of their customers for key search terms, key words. It looks like without any warrants, without any legal process, this is financial surveillance at its worst. Now, I, I did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I did not dig into that story a whole lot today. I saw some of the coverage. I was familiar with um Congressman Jordan statement, but that, you know, we're going to find out a little bit more about that. We'll talk about it on the roundtable because that is in a new level of outrage, I think, when it yep. comes to what this administration might be responsible for. All right, we're out of time. Have a great night. We'll talk tomorrow. Roundtable at 3. Get more at 971talk.com. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.